Welcome to KathleenWitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. We've been teaching how to live out of your spirit. And I wanted to just read some verses because someone did have a question about that. And living out of your spirit is so important. And I wanted to read you a few scriptures in Romans 8 because... The Bible in and of itself talks so much about living out of your spirit. And yet, until we even know what that is, until we've distinguished body, soul, and spirit, and we have some idea of what that is, then we don't even notice. We gloss over these scriptures. So with what you know now, that that we live in a body, that we have a soul, and that you are a spirit, knowing that now... I want to read you the scriptures and and listen to what the word says because it's what I've been truly exhorting um, you all to do and and it's so important. Romans eight one says there is therefore no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. See the words telling us to walk after the spirit. Romans eight five says to live in accordance with the spirit. And so when I talk about living out of your spirit, I'm talking about living in accordance with the spirit. Romans 8, 6 says the mind should be controlled by the spirit. And remember, we talked about the mind being part of the body, being part of the soul. Your mind is your, is your um, will and your emotions. And so here we see in Romans exactly what we've been learning, that our mind should be controlled by our spirit and not by just our own thoughts and our own will. And so Romans 8, 7 goes on to say that the sinful mind is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law, nor can it do so. So then that they are in the flesh cannot please God. And that is huge for me. Romans 8, 8 says that if I'm in the flesh, that you're in the flesh, that we're doing things out of our own soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions, or what we want to do, and not in the spirit, it cannot please God. It does not please God. And we already know that when we go to heaven that God is going to show us those things that we did that were shafts, those things that didn't count for anything, because there are those many, many good things that we can do in this life, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're God things. And when you have a heart towards wanting to do the God things, it changes your whole life when you realize, I don't want to live out of what I think, what I want, what I feel. I want to live out of the Holy Spirit. I want to live in accordance with Romans 8. It will change your life. Romans 8, 9 says, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if any man not have the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And so it's just saying if the Holy Spirit dwells in you, you are not supposed to be living out of the flesh anymore, but changing to live out of the Spirit. And then Romans 8.15, which is just one of my favorite scriptures, says, For you did not receive a spirit that leads again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, whereby you cry out, Abba, Father. And if you look at that in Romans 8.15, it says, You as a Christian receive the Holy Spirit. And you did not receive a spirit, a demonic spirit, which leads again to fear, but a spirit of adoption whereby you cry out, Abba, Father. We could break that verse down and talk about it until Jesus came back. But I want you to see one thing in there. It says 
that the spirit of fear leads and the Holy Spirit leads. And so as a Christian, a really simple question I can ask myself if I just want to know immediately if I'm doing what God wants me to do or if I'm maybe doing what the enemy wants me to do or even my soul or my flesh, if you will, wants me to do is to ask, am I doing this out of faith or am I doing this out of fear? Because so often we'll say, well, I'm going to go ahead and call so-and-so because I'm afraid that if I don't, so-and-so will think this or that. Or I'm going to go ahead and take that job because I'm afraid if I don't, another one won't come. Or I'm afraid if this or that. Um, Or I'm not going to do something because I'm afraid. We need to obey and believe God. And we talked about in here how you can't obey God without believing God. The scripture says, No man who believes in him, though, who adheres to, relies on, and trusts in him, will ever be put to shame or be disappointed. I love that in Romans 10:11 because it says that if I go ahead and step forth and believe God, unlike any other thing in life where you're going to be disappointed, people are going to disappoint you, you are going to disappoint you, the person you trusted the very most is going to disappoint you, your company is going to disappoint you, Um, your pastor is going to disappoint you, your church is going to disappoint you, everybody, your children are going to disappoint you. Everyone's going to disappoint you except for God. And I love that in Scripture that says if I believe in Him, ultimately I won't be disappointed. And I have to say that to myself a lot. Kathleen, keep believing in God. Ultimately, you will not be disappointed. When we talk about obedience, and and y'all can tell I'm just kind of wanting to wrap this up as as if I could, but obedience has a windfall of good results for, for all generations. And then disobedience has a windfall of terrible results for generations. And we have to keep that in mind because sometimes we just choose to be disobedient and we think it's only affecting us. But it's not. It's affecting your children, your grandchildren. If Jesus doesn't come back, your great-great-grandchildren, your great-great-great-grandchildren. And then same way with obedience. It affects the generations after. Romans 5.19 says, For just as through the disobedience of one man, that's Adam, there were many sinners, made sinners, so also through the obedience of one man, Jesus, there were many made righteous. And I also want you to think about the body of Christ, which is a family. And we don't often think about the fact that everyone in the body of Christ affects you. And you affect everyone in the body of Christ. And that's how much caring and loving and reaching out we should have towards one another, knowing that we all are affecting one another. We're not just individual units making our own decisions. We need to hold one another up in difficult times, but also hold one another accountable. And what kind of scares me is that I don't feel like any of us, let me me rephrase that, I don't think a lot of people feel that they can hold other people accountable because they themselves know that they're walking in disobedience in some area. 
And so I, I need to be clearing my life of, of those things. And you need to be clearing your life of those things, not only because we want to live the life that God's called us to live, but because it affects our children and our children's children. And it also affects the entire body of believers, which then affects the world. If you have something that affects the entire body of believers, it affects the entire world. And so we need to get a picture beyond ourselves. We talked about how to, to obey God means to love God, and then conversely, um, to disobey God means that you don't love God. John fourteen twenty four says, He who does not love me will not obey my teachings. Wow. You know, because we're going to sing all these hymns and things about loving God, but God says if you, if you don't obey me, if you're continuing in some kind of disobedience, then you don't really love me. And so I wanted to look at something that I think is so important that begins in the mind, and, and I'm going to tell you how disobedience starts. Because you can love God with all your heart, and yet how does disobedience start? It starts with a thought. Everything starts with a thought. And so disobedience starts with just a thought. And of course we know that's in our soul, that's in our mind. And I wanted to express to you today, too, my whole point in this class is not to um, get your emotions rubbed up. I feel like a lot, of, a lot of speakers or a lot of teachers purposely tell stories to, in my opinion, manipulate the emotions of the people. And they can get your emotions all stirred up to where you're so excited to sign up for a missions trip or you're so excited to follow God, but it doesn't last because emotions go here and there and everywhere. I mean, think about how many feelings you had just this morning. I'm mad, I'm sad, I'm glad, I'm in a hurry, I'm, you know, I feel peaceful, I'm happy, I'm not happy, I'm, you know, in just one morning, especially if you're female, the females are all nodding and the men are like, I, I just feel awake, sort of, I, I don't feel anything other than sort of awake, uh, sort of not, I'm just joking, but you need to realize that, that feelings don't last, and so what, what I know is that if I can change your mind, I can change your life. Because everything starts with a thought. Everything starts with a thought. And even wanting to stop something that's in your life that you know is a repetitive sin and that's not pleasing to God starts with a thought of, I don't want to do that anymore. It all starts with a thought. You know, you, you hear about even people having affairs and, the, and they'll say, I don't know where this started. I can tell you where it started. It started with a thought of so-and-so is attractive and then a thought of I think I'll go drink coffee with them. What's it going to hurt? And then a thought and a thought and a thought. Everything starts with a thought, even good things. But that's why the word says in Second Corinthians 10 to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And I just want to review that with you super, super quick. It's actually a chapter in the Little Dare to Be Rare book for girls, and I call it Caller ID, which means that when you get a thought, when you get a telephone call, it's ID'd as who it is. And when you get a telephone call in the middle of dinner, and it says, 
so-and-so sales company or, you know, it's some 1-800 number, you probably won't answer it because you know who it is. And I'm just exhorting you this morning to say that when you get a thought that you know is not from the Lord, that you know is not, such as um, maybe, oh, great, you know, here comes Christmas and I'm going to have to be with so-and-so. Well, that's not a thought from God. Because if you keep thinking that, then when you are around so-and-so, you aren't going to be able to love so-and-so. And it all started with a thought. And so the Bible exhorts us to take every thought captive. Why am I telling you this? Because we are learning to live out of our spirits, like it says in Romans 8. And what I mean by that is I'm assuming you have the Holy Spirit. And when you have the Holy Spirit in your spirit, you want to live in accordance with the Word. You want to walk in accordance to the way Jesus walked. You want to follow Him. And yet, how do I do that? I'm talking about the how. One of the things you have to do is take every thought captive because everything starts with a thought and a thought's in your mind. And as Christians, our mind shouldn't be controlling our lives. The Spirit should be controlling our mind. And there's a scripture that says that. I'm hoping that I'll be able to find it in a minute. Let me see if I have already. I have so many notes today, so if you all will pray for me, because there are so many things that I could um, teach. I mean, so many things. And of course it's not me. It's not me changing your mind. It's the Holy Spirit coming and changing your mind. What did Paul say he came to do? Paul said that he came to change the minds of the people. He spoke to them, and he spoke to their minds. He talked to them about prophecies being fulfilled, and he said, I've come to convict you, and that's all in your mind. To convict literally translates in the Greek language to convince. And so I'm just here to convince you that God's word is true, that God will never disappoint you, and that if you start living out of your spirit, meaning following the Holy Spirit in your life, your life will never be the same. And if you are a Christian living out of your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions, what you want, what you think, what you feel, but you want to follow Christ, but you're still living out of your soul, what you want, what you think, what you feel, but your whole heart wants to follow Jesus and you want to change, but you're still living out of your soul, what you think, what you want, what you feel, you're going to be frustrated. You're going to be frustrated until you get to heaven. I'm not saying you won't go to heaven because you will. You have Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit, but you didn't renew your mind. So that's what I would say too. Number one, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Let me, let me read you all that scripture just in case you're not familiar with it. It's 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, and it says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war, the war. We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. What are strongholds? There are those things in your life that are from the enemy that he's gotten in, and they're strong. They're strongholds. They're hard for you to just get rid of. They might be addictions. They might be a mindset. Um, They might be literally something that you feel like is hereditary in your family. It might be anger. 
whatever it is that's not of God that you just can't seem to get rid of is a stronghold. But this says that if we take every thought captive, we begin to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Do you, do you all understand what I'm talking about? Like, take captive every thought. Does that make sense to you? Because, okay, if, if, in a, if, you, if you were watching TV and you saw that an escaped convict was in your area and you heard helicopters around your neighborhood and you saw his face because he's, he's FBI most wanted and you heard your doorbell ding dong and you looked out and it was him, would you open the door and go, hey, come on in, um, sit down. I'm just kind of interested in like what you've been doing and what's going on and then I want you to go. You know what I mean? See, it's our human nature to sort of invite in things that we know are not okay and then think we can just say go. And we can't. They come in and they don't want to leave. Everything begins with a thought. I think I'll just read this magazine. It's not that bad. And see, that, that is, everything begins with thought. Everything begins somewhat innocently. And that's why the Word of God tells us to guard our heart with all diligence for out of it flow the issues of life. We're to guard our heart. We're to take every thought captive because what we let in affects us. And so if I have a thought that I know is not of the Lord, instead of just dwelling on it and thinking on it, which I, I used to do because I didn't know I had a choice. I didn't know any of this. <laughs> I, I, I had to learn this or, or die because I was so frustrated as a Christian because I wanted to walk after God and I wanted to walk after his will and live the way he wanted me to live, but I couldn't understand any of this until I started really breaking down what the word of God said and seeing the three-part being, that he's a three-part being, I'm a three-part being, I live in a body, I have a soul which will live forever, somewhere, depending on my choice, one of two places, and so do you. And then I have a, a spirit that will live somewhere, I don't know if I said spirit or soul, but anyway, I have a spirit that will live somewhere, and then I have a soul which is my mind, my will, and my emotions, and most Christians are living out of their soul instead of their spirit, and, and it, you can't obey God consistently that way. You can't really permanently change that way. You're going to be frustrated always. So take every thought captive. And then the other thing that, that you do if you want to start to live out of your spirit instead of out of your soul is... Romans 12:2, one of my favorite, favorite scriptures, it says to renew your mind. See, your mind is supposed to be obedient to your spirit, but you have to renew it with the word of God. And that scripture says specifically, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed, be changed, be totally metamorphosized by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove the will of God, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. You know, that's, that's so clear in the scripture than saying this January, if you want 2008 to be better and you want to be closer to God in 2008, you don't just wish that and you don't just announce that. 
you begin renewing your mind. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. If you want to be transformed, the Bible says renew your mind with the Word of God. You know, to obey God, it was really interesting when I was looking at this, and I'm having to just skip around, which is super hard for me because I want every word to come across to you. I want you to start out January 2008 with every word that, that God has given me here. So I just need to slow down and trust Him. But obey in the Hebrew is the word shama, which means or emphasizes to defer to. And another word to defer is to yield. So if you can think of it this way, our soul needs to yield to our spirit. And one thing that God did give me specifically for you all, maybe it's specific to one person, but I know that I am to say this and emphasize this, is your entire family experience will be different this Christmas if you yield your soul to the Holy Spirit. And what does that mean? That means be, be quick to hear. I'm going to give you some proverbs. Slow to speak and slow to anger. You know, sometimes we just need to tell our soul to slow down. And we need to check in with the Spirit and go, is this thought really from God? And we need to be slower to speak. I mean, how many of you have said things that you just really wish you hadn't have said? Thankfully, we can ask God's forgiveness and we know that, that it's all washed clean by the blood of Jesus. And if it's someone that, that's passed away, we know that they see all and they understand all and there's no regrets in that either. You know, sometimes I have people say, I never got to say everything I wanted to say. They know now. I trust God, they know now. But... This Christmas with your family, just to love people. I know in in our hearts we want to follow Jesus. We want to love people. We want to be full of the Spirit. We want to be walking after the Spirit and not walking after the soul. We want to be different. We don't want to be quick to anger. We don't want to be quick to speak. And I'm just emphasizing that because that's what Jesus' Spirit, which is in me, has been telling me to emphasize to you. And you can ask my husband. I've spent... Days and days and hours and hours and hours and hours praying about this because it's so important. You you look around and you're like, gosh, it's just a little handful of people. But see, a little handful of people can change the whole city. A little handful of people can change the world. And just think of like your obedience and your disobedience having a ripple effect across the entire world, much less your own family. So let's learn to yield. One of the things we, we've been saying is that if you want your soul to, to be weaker and you want your spirit to lead your soul, you want your spirit to win over your soul, you want your spirit to be in front of your soul, then you have to neglect your soul. Whatever you want to weaken, you neglect. Remember the Greyhound story. Whatever you want to weaken, you neglect. Even newborn babies. 
They won't grow. They won't prosper. Some will die if you neglect them. Whatever you want to prosper, you pay attention to. And so how do you neglect your soul? You just don't give it its way. And the first couple of times you do that, it will throw a fit. I can tell you this Christmas, even this Christmas, you'll walk out of here and you'll be like, yes, I got a word from God and that is to be, you know, quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. I'm going to do that. Book of Proverbs says it and I'm living out of my spirit and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to help me do that and Holy Spirit help me do that. Yes. And so I've got spirit power behind me and then I go and I'm going to love everybody in my family and then so-and-so does walk up. Or maybe it's at a party. Maybe it's beyond your family. Maybe it's the so-and-so that you always see at parties. It's the so-and-so that you always have to say hi to first. You know those so-and-sos? But it's just somebody that's hard to love, and they're saying things that you'd like to say something back. And you're going to know that you're neglecting your soul because your soul will throw a fit. It's like, it's like an unruly child. But you've got to let it go and, and, and follow the Spirit. You all, I've given these examples, and I, I just want you to see them. I know you all think Lacey and I are in a fight all the time, and we're not. <clears throat> but you have to understand, this is my best example, so I've got to throw it out there. And I can't make stuff up because my, my husband and my mom and dad are in here. So if I made stuff up, they would know. And afterwards, they'd be like, you made that up. So when he and I are in a loud disagreement because we aren't in a fight and we never argue, so we're just in a loud disagreement, and I hear the Holy Spirit say, just don't say anything. Just don't let it go. Don't say anything else. And I say back, but I'm right. I have to say one more thing because I'm right, and it's the perfect thing to say to what he just said because it proves I'm right. And then the Holy Spirit goes, no, no, you know, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall see God. And, and all of these wonderful scriptures about, you know, husbands and wives and deferring to one another and honoring one another. But my spirit is like a little child jumping up and down going, but I'm right, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. Do you see what I'm saying? So the first time, the second time, third time, in any area that you neglect your soul and say, soul, be quiet, it's going to throw a fit. But let it. Expect it. And let it. Because that means you're growing up in Christ. You're maturing in Christ. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. James 4, 7, a lot of people like to say, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Have you heard people say that? James 4, 7, resist the devil and he will flee from you. But see, before that, it says, submit ye then to God. In other words, yield to the Holy Spirit. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. So you can't just resist the devil and he'll flee from you. No, devil, go away. That's not what the scripture says in its entirety. It says, yield then. Submit then yourselves to God. Submit, and it says yourselves, and what is that? That's your soul. That's your mind, your will, and your emotion, your body, every part. So what, what do we do from here? Right before I give you a homework assignment, please do it. If you have a pen, write it down. You know what? Whatever you do for yourself with the Word of God, that's what's really going to stay. 
I mean, faith does come from hearing and hearing the Word of God. Yes, Romans 10:17 says that. But it's your personal interaction with God. And it's you personally putting the Scriptures in you that's going to change your life. You personally. And see, you really connect with the Spirit and, and the Spirit changes your life and you have the Holy Spirit in you so that if I even say Scriptures, it makes you come alive inside. And I'm encouraging you to put those scriptures in your heart yourself. And, and again, I want you to start hearing body, soul, and spirit. Start hearing that because you just learned that. And, 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 and I love that teaching. And, and I feel emphatically about it because I do feel that most Christians don't know it. And I do feel that it's been my only way to have victory. And I do feel that that is what the early church knew and that we have somehow forgotten or let go of it or that we read scriptures and we see body, soul, and spirit. Like, it, read over Romans 8. That's one of your assignments. Romans 8. Look at it. Look at every line. Look at what it says about following the spirit. And, and then just what I was going to say about Proverbs, almost every scripture you'll start to see this coming alive. Proverbs 3, verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. What does that say? That says, don't lean on your soul, which is our first inclination. Lean not on your own understanding, your own rationale. But in all of your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. And it says, then do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil and it will be health to your flesh and marrow to your bones. Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it comes the issues of life. Just what we've been saying. The scriptures are going to, they resound in you because you have the Holy Spirit in you. And so when you hear the word, just the word, not my words, but just the word, it comes alive in you. And something in you says, that's who you really are. And so I'm encouraging you, get in the Word yourself, but I'm going to give you specifics about where to go. Definitely Romans 8. Romans 8 is going to reinforce body, soul, and spirit. James, at least look at James 1. It tells us to be doers of the Word and not just hearers. The most frustrated people I know are the ones that know what to do and don't do it. And the most frustrated people of those people are the ones that want to. See, I don't think Christians are really running around hearing the word and not wanting to do it. I think they don't know how to do it. And so I'm saying, here's how. You're a three-part being. Don't follow your body. Don't follow your soul. Follow the Holy Spirit, and you'll start to recognize. I think I want, I feel, will want to rule you. And that's the way you used to do things. Or you'll start to recognize fear, that you've been following fear instead of faith. And that's the way you used to do things. And yet when you start following faith instead of fear, everything gets turned around. And life becomes wonderful. I want you to read John. If you want to just know a little bit more about Jesus and see a greater picture of God. So many of us see God as like a kind of a grumpy grandfather or kind of someone that's mad at you or a really vengeful, you know, 
at any moment might strike you with lightning kind of God. And God says in his word through his son, Jesus, if you've seen me, Jesus says, you've seen the father. And Jesus just loved and was patient and kind. It was the full picture of God. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. So look at God through the book of John, through Jesus' life, really see God and know that God is love. And, and I have a great time uh, interacting with those words, changing the word God to love and changing the word love to God. Because the, the Bible tells us God is love. It doesn't say God has a lot of love or God invented love or God likes love. It says God is love. And so interchanging those words, gives you a greater picture of God. God is patient. God is kind. Go back to 1 Corinthians and and look at, at what it says about love. And you'll see a picture of God. John um, 1, 1 is interesting just to even start with John. And, and here I go. I could start teaching James. I could start teaching Romans 8. I could start teaching John just because I get so excited. And I really don't even think I'm a teacher. I think that I'm like sort of a talker. You know, I just, I love it. It's in me. And it's life-changing. And it's truth. And I just want it to come out. And so I just kind of share. And, it, and it's real in my life. And I'm desperate for God. And yet I'm not a frustrated Christian anymore. And I, I kind of really should be. I mean, I do have some things going on in my life where I really should be, but I'm not. It's the, it's the peace that surpasses all understanding that guards your what in Christ Jesus. Your heart and mind. See, and there you go. Every scripture is going to be different for you now. Your heart and your mind, that's your soul. That peace guards your soul and your spirit. I want you to also go through the longest psalm in the Bible. Well, let me go back to this. John 1.1, 1, 1. it says the word became man so that man could become like the word. That's my version. John 1.1 says the word became man. And, of course, it's talking about Jesus. But if I wanted to just sum up the whole Bible from John 1.1 and say the word became man, I would say so that man could become more like the word. Isn't that what our Christian life is about? And so here we are. We know the word is Jesus. But if you ask any Christian, who are you supposed to become more like, they'll probably quote Ephesians and say we're to be imitators of Christ or they'll just say I'm supposed to be more like Jesus. Well, what you're saying in reality, since Jesus is the word, is that I'm supposed to spend a lifetime becoming more like the word. Well, how can I do that if I don't even read it? How can I do that if I don't even know what's in it? See, I'm seeing the true heart of God and I'm seeing who Jesus is through the word. And our life is actually hidden in the Word, it says in the Word. (laughs) And the Word is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, able to cut through joint and marrow, that's the body, and get to the heart of a man, his mind, his will, his emotions, the Word. 
Aren't you so excited to start following your spirit instead of your soul? Aren't you so excited to know that and to know that it's possible and you don't have to be frustrated? I I just am so excited about it. It's good. It's good stuff. So I'm going to ask you also to read Psalm 119. It's the longest psalm in the Bible. I know I'm cruel. It's unusual punishment. But I want you to write down what the Holy Spirit shows you on how to stay obedient. Because you may be in this class and you're like, okay, I've had 12 weeks of being obedient and how that affects every generation. And my heart wants to be, but how? 119. The whole Bible tells you how, but Psalm 119 is what the Lord showed me to tell you. I mean, I'm just going to read a few. I'm just going to read a few out of um, Psalm one nineteen, And I also want you to keep in mind as you read the Old Testament, always it's a physical picture of the spiritual. And so your enemies are not the Canaanites and the Amorites and the Hittites and the, all those. That's not your enemy. Your enemy is envy, jealousy, coveting, frustration, materialism, selfishness. Fear, despair, oppression, depression, those are all demonic arrows that come towards you in this warfare that we are living. And if you don't think that you're experiencing warfare every day, you're kidding yourself. That's what Jesus talked about. He came and talked about warfare. He came and talked about the enemy. And the reason it was the first time he revealed that and talked about the enemy, it was because it was the first time they had authority over the enemy. And in Luke 10, remember he said, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy. But he's talking about this daily warfare. And so when you read the enemies, I want you to think of the correct enemies and not people. So what do we do out of Psalm 119? I'm just going to read a, 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 a couple. Psalm 119 Verse 2 says to seek Him. Psalm 119, verse 7 says to praise Him. Psalm 119, verse 9 says, live according to the Word. How can a young man keep his way pure? Surely you've heard that. By living according to your Word. Psalm 119, 13 says, with my lips I recount. The law. And when you read the word law also in, in Psalm 119, it's talking about the word. See, again, in the Old Testament, they didn't have the full word of God. And so you need to understand that today we read that as the word. Psalm 119.15 says, I meditate on the word. 16 says, I won't neglect the word. <laughs> Verse 30 says, I've set my heart on the word. I mean, this is telling us how do... I continue to obey God. It's all about the Word. And it's all about putting the Word first. It's all about believing Matthew 6.33 that when you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all these other things will be added. And then we stop and say, wait, I've been seeking all these other things and saying maybe later I'll add in the spiritual. But you're saying that if I do it the opposite, God will add all these other things. And I'm saying yes, because God is not a man that he should lie. 
God is the only one who will not let you down. God is the only one who will not disappoint you or leave you or forsake you. He's the only one that as you sit in this room understands what you're thinking, why you're thinking it. And he loves you anyway. He knows how to get you from where you are to where he sees you to be. I love that God doesn't see me as I am, but he sees me as I could be and would be and will be in him as I start following him. We hope that you've enjoyed Kathleen's message. To order a copy of this and other messages, please call us in San Antonio, Texas at 210-822-5500 or toll free outside the San Antonio area, 877-397-7773. That's 1-877-397-7773. Visit our website, KathleenWitten.org, K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N-W-H-I-T-T-E-N.org. Thank you 